0: Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. For reminder: We're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. Airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from two to three p.m. I'm your host, Wim and I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong to my left, and joined in studio by Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com to my right, gentlemen. Uh, the trade deadline is officially over, but uh, we're still here to pick up some of the pieces because you know there was a big press conference that took place last night uh involving Masai Ujiri, and of course we got a lot of reports about sort of um what offers the raptors may or may not have seen at the deadline but um yeah alex where do you want to start the show today
1: yeah i want to start by asking v you know v was at the practice facility yesterday for for the Masai presser at four actually i know we did a two-hour show you know obviously breaking down all the stuff that did and didn't happen at the deadline well what was your reaction you know when 3 p.m hit and you saw that the raptors didn't
2: make any other moves outside of trading for, for Yaka Pertl the, the evening before? Yeah, it's hard not to feel a bit underwhelmed by it. Um, I think, you know, once that Pertel move was made and you saw that they gave up a 2024 first-round pick, I think the, the general expectation was that, okay, this team is trying to be really good, right? Like, I think to validate giving up that pick, you would expect to be really good in the next season, right? And to close out this season strong. And so you're waiting for that other shoe to drop, if you will, and it just never came. And so I think that's what you were hoping to get some clarity on in the presser. And then we saw probably, you know, the strangest presser that we've seen Masai give, right? Like, I don't think anyone has ever associated that type of vibe or mood with Masai. For me, it was almost like if... He could convey the vibes of the entire season mm. in a presser. Right. That's pretty much what he did. And it wasn't that usual, you know, force of positive energy uh, that we associate with these pressers. And so I think that was a bit concerning. But, I mean, he also might have just been exhausted. <laughs> you know, it probably been a whirlwind uh, 48 hours or whatever it, it might have been. And so you take that with a grain of salt and assessing... You know, what he said, I probably had three major takeaways. Mm -hmm. Number one was him calling the team selfish at different points of the season. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen that there have been periods where different individuals have been very successful, but it's never come together uh, for the team as a whole. And that's something with the Raptors, we usually say, like, hey, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's why I think it's felt a bit disconnected this season. Number two, I I think it was a really big thing that he said the trade deadline is not a time to make long-term decisions. And so for those who were potentially looking at a bigger move, I think he is waiting for these final 26 games to play out. Um, He did talk about just how big a need the center position was, having a legit big man. That's obviously something that they've, accepted Mm. uh, needed to change and so they brought that in to better maybe assess uh, what the defense can look like what the offense can look like and maybe some of these games obviously we've seen the stat about the Raptors and you know games decided by three points or fewer and Masai specifically spoke about them assessing the team and having discussions of oh what if we had a big what if we had a big game uh, big for this game or that and now they get to answer that right even potentially as soon as tonight. Like, you think about the way that uh, matchup with Walker Kessler went when they were in Utah. Now, if Jakob Pertl can play, you throw him at Walker Kessler and you see how differently that plays out, right? Mm. And So I think those are all big answers that we needed uh, that we will see play out over the next 26 games. Yeah,
0: Sorry, I know I went long there. No, no, it's good, man. That's, <laughs> That's good. why you're here, bro. I, I think so. A couple of takeaways. Number <laughs> one, to your first point about Masai usually giving, like, these very um they're, they're not even press conferences they're like sermons you know like and he really <laughs> yeah. breathes a lot of fire into you i remember even just like it wasn't that long ago when you and i were there and Masai brings the trophy on to the podium and then he starts in i think about the 30 after the 30 minute mark he was starting to feel himself even more yeah and started talking about how you know manchester united or liverpool were the new reds he was so down. I forgot he was a United fan, man. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, for you know, maybe you could ask a question about Marcus Rashford returning to form. That could have cheered him up. Eric Hag, come, come on, guys. Um. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So first off, yeah, it wasn't necessarily like the most thrilling Messiah Jerry press conference. So I do agree with you in terms of just like the vibe was was definitely a little bit off. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it, it. You know, you do hear bits of honesty from him, right? And I think that the selfish part is something that's going to definitely catch on. It's something that I think you already saw lots of evidence of it throughout the course of the season. But I think when you see the team leader come out and say that, uh, it really crystallizes that idea. It's almost like a public call-out. And he didn't necessarily say one player specifically or anything like that. He said there's a bit of selfishness in all of them. But at the same time, like I think that that needs to be stamped out. right? That really needs to be something where, you know, from an organizational standpoint, that's up to the leadership team to, to, to root out, right? Whether that's the root leaders of the players or, um, on, on the team itself, which obviously I think there are probably selfish moments from Fred, from Pascal, from other guys who are leaders on the team. Only guy I would say truly unselfish on the team is probably Thad, right? right. I haven't seen a single <laughs> a selfish play from Thad, to be honest, or Bancho. Um, But like the players themselves have to sort of stamp that out. Obviously the coaching has to really address that as well um and then of course management has to address that as well right i mean we do know that messiah does play a, a part in terms of like you know speaking to the players and, and delivering that message ultimately he is the boss right nick is more of a middle manager in, in that sense right obviously he deals with the day-to-day but you know you need all three levels of leadership to really root that problem out um and then yeah what the center thing it's interesting because i mean obviously in the moment when we were doing the show literally in the moment um it felt underwhelming I, I guess I thought about it more and it was kind of like, okay, let's say I have this laptop right here and it's not really working that well and I have the option of like throwing this thing out and spending another $1,000 on a piece of technology that's going to go obsolete in two years for no reason. Um, what I could do instead of making that decision of throwing out this $1,000 laptop is probably I might go out and buy like $40 of RAM, plug it into my laptop and see if that fixes all the issues that I'm having, right? And that probably is a um, at least something where you can at least assess what you truly have before you make that long-term decision. And I think that's kind of what you're doing right here with Jakob Purtle. If it all works out, you can find a way to pay everybody in the offseason. You're going to have to make subsequent moves to stay under the luxury tax. But at the same time, like, if it doesn't work out, at least you know for sure that it was because the whole thing is broken. So I actually, I don't know. I mean, the day after, I'm like, all right, I, mean, I, I get where they were coming from. It's still not necessarily what anyone's expecting, but I think the ex- disappointment is partially a function of our heightened expectations not just like the specific play on the court.
1: Yeah, I think the disappointment just comes from, I think a lot of people going in was expecting just a more definitive statement on how the front office feels about this roster, right? And I think they did, you know, make a statement by by adding Jakob, like you said, and then kind of wanting to use these last 26 games and Masai was repeatedly saying that, that he wants to reevaluate, he wants to give it till the end of the season, right? And I think the vibe, too, like, you know, when we were listening, you know, on our way to the KFC court, um, you know, in, in the Uber, um, mm. like, you know. Had the exclusive with Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> yeah, the vibes. Yep. Coming soon. It's uploading right now on his laptop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to need that new $40 yeah, sticker. He's going to need a, a Yakup uh, oh, USB. Lead. But I think initially, like you guys said, the vibe did feel off, um, you know, from what you expect. But I'm actually kind of glad thinking about it like a day later that, you know, Masai didn't come out and to try to make us believe in something that, you know, we shouldn't right. believe in in terms <laughs> right. of this team. Yeah. Like I did, like, you know, I've been saying like, you know, when we've been talking about, oh, we need Masai to come out and speak. I'm like, I'm actually not sure because I don't want him to like, you know. Uh, sugarcoat. Yeah, sugarcoat and like tell us to believe in this team in any way. And I'm glad he didn't do that. Mm. And I'm glad there wasn't that conviction about this roster, right? Like the way he talked about this was let's just wait and see, like check back with me at the end of the season. Yeah. And, like, we're willing to make those moves and willing to retool and rebuild. So, like, yeah, I'm of the same vein. Like, I, I think, you know, they they probably make their summer a bit tougher now. But, you know, I'm sure they're confident, as they are before, you know, when they had the Kyle Lowry situation and all that, about having these conversations and knowing what might be available to them in the summer. So, you know, they've they've punted those decisions down the line. And I guess now, for these 26 games, like... We got to see a change, though. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a team that hasn't won. Like, they're going to go for their fourth straight win tonight for the first time all season. Like, this team has not won more than three games Yeah, in a row yeah. all year, right? So, like, there has to be, there has to be, to me, like, just a significant change in how they, like, actually play on the
0: court. Well, the funniest thing was towards the end, I think Josh Lundberg asked Masai, like, hey, you know, famously you said playing for what? Yeah. Um, are you guys going for the play in now? And have you changed your mind? And Beside had to be like, well, you know, that was contextual. He and,
1: couched that a lot, right? Like, like he, he didn't really have a definitive
0: response to that, right? I think yeah. his response was kind of just like, playing for what? As in, like, you're not going to make any of this money if you try to make it in Tampa. Yeah, no, that's fair. Do you think the money aspect factors in here? Because I, I brought that point up, like, prior to the deadline, like, in leading up to it, I was thinking about how much revenue that the sure. organization has probably lost. Yeah, because you're a pocket watcher. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, everyone's no, no. a pocket watcher. Who doesn't walk? To,
2: what? No, but it's true.
1: Um, I don't think that's the definitive, obviously. like, sure, that yeah, thing, yeah. But I do think
2: it plays a part into it. What do you think, V? No, for sure. It's, like, all the pieces matter, right? Like, that, that plays some factor into it. I think, for me, what's interesting is they've made it clear that these 26 games are significant in terms of what type of decisions they want to make in the summer. Mm -hmm. And so I look at, okay, what questions are you trying to have answered over these 26 games, right? And number one, obviously, we've talked about the vibes of this team. Masai has talked about uh, some of the selfishness on the team. Mm. And I will say he's also said that he feels that there has been progress over the course of the season. And some of that is slowly going away. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so how much does that change with Jakob Pertl in the mix? And how much does it change with, say, potentially now having a definitive starting five, your best five, when healthy, you know it is Fred, OG, Scotty, Pascal, Jakob. So you're not debating anymore about Gary or Precious or Mm -hmm. whatever other alternative mix you have you know when the team is healthy that is the best five everyone knows what role they slot into Mm. right and so how does that play out over the course of the season uh another question for me was personally i was skeptical of having uh, a non-shooting big with this mix Mm. right with pascal scotty precious in there as well um you know what does a non-shooting big look like and so now you're going to have that question answered over the next 26 games, uh, and then we'll see beyond that. Um, The other thing I will say is, you know, can this be like a mini version of the Rudy Gay trade? And so when you look back on, you know, the addition of the different pieces, right? Like that was the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was a lot of different pieces just adding into what the whole can be. This is one piece simplifying what everyone else should be doing, right? And so offensively, Jacoperto is not looking for shots, right? He is going to be a good passer on the roll. He's going to be a good screener. He is uh, going to finish around the basket effectively. Defensively, he's going to take the load off all these guys who have had to guard bigs Mm -hmm. and play out of position. He is going to be able to negate some of the mistakes that are made. He is going to be able to help... Uh, better on some of those blow-bys, right? How much pressure does that
0: alleviate? Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the things that I'm looking for in the next 26 games. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, there's there was a clear need in terms of uh, adding a center to this group, right? I mean, I think the frustration for me really boiled over when it was like the Raptors played host to Memphis in Toronto here. And towards the end of the game, you had Steven Adams like just shoving the Raptors yeah. small forwards around because that's all the Raptors had to play at center at that time. Even Precious was not healthy at that point. So, you know, like, of course you definitely needed some size in the middle. I think it'd be curious to see as, as you're mentioning how Nick Nurse is going to adapt to it tactically because we haven't seen um, Nick have a true center in the middle, especially one that's pretty good at, at defense since obviously 2020 when he had both Serge and Mark. And so, you know, are we going to get back to that level of defense? Because that was an elite defense right back then. Of course, we're not saying that uh, you know Jakoberto is good in defense as he is. It's not as good as a Marcus uh, or maybe even a Serge Ibaka. Although I think he was, he's definitely more mobile than Serge was at that point. But my, yeah. my, my thinking is though, can you adapt your defense now where you're able to be much closer to what you should be on paper when you bump everyone back into the regular positions? Are you still going to be applying as much pressure on the perimeter? Uh, or are you going to be applying even more pressure on the perimeter because of the fact that you have a shot blocker back there? It's going to be curious to see, and I think that look on uh, in terms of as um as a general point, I'm, I'm happy we can just come back to focus on just the team play itself, right? Because I'm really curious in terms of how the basketball fit is. And look, listen, there is a there is a scenario where this works out. I think the disappointing part is probably for a lot of people just looking at this is like the Raptors were in this losing position. And not only are they um, adding a piece to sort of get them out of that losing position, but, you know, for a lot of them, they're thinking about if we took a step back for a year, that was a decision that they could have made. Instead, they walked away from it. And so I understand the frustration from that point. But listen, all that stuff is we're past that point now. Like, we really clearly can't cry about it. And they've chosen the decision. They really want to see if this group has, like, essentially one more kick left in them. And that's what the last 26 games are going to be, right? And so you're going to need to see them win as many as possible. And listen, mm-hmm. they have a really soft schedule coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. you know, and if if again, you would really need things to really flip on its head and for the team to start, you know, winning games consistently, as you mentioned. They've only had a three game win streak twice, twice so far this season. Yeah. Okay, so you're gonna need a couple more of those and like things actually yeah,
1: like things actually have to turn around more. Like, you know, you can talk yeah. about the soft schedule and mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. but we've seen like they just haven't been able to sustain the stretch, right? Yeah. Like I just wanna see too, like they've got this schedule coming up. Like they're playing Utah tonight, they've got Detroit on Sunday and then they play Orlando before the all-star break and then they come out of it they've got New Orleans at home they go to Detroit like even looking at these next five games you would assume they could come and have like a four and one record sure out of it right but it's like I want to see if they're gonna be able to sustain it maybe they have a little bit of a boost coming out of the trade deadline you know don't have those things hanging over them you've Mm -hmm. added a starting center Right. But can you sustain that for more than just one or two games?
0: Yeah, exactly. And a good
1: team should be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm just saying like, and I know Masai knows this because he talked about like you mentioned, like he talked about how, you know, the selfish play and the individual play. Like, I I just feel like this would be a pretty remarkable turnaround for me for these guys to get it together. I know the talent is there. Mm. It's just that we haven't seen it all season. Like, it just, we just haven't seen it all season, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it would actually you. be a pretty remarkable turnaround for me. Not that I'm—I'm I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, and I think it's good for Masai to actually put it back on the players now, in a way. Yeah. Because, mm. like, it's on them
0: now. Right. right? He's like, gotten you that piece that was missing. Yes. One of the pieces. I would yeah. say the other missing pieces were, were, were the guards that could— you know, A third guard, for example. Look, if you're going to move in this winning direction, I was curious as to why they didn't add another guard. Yes, right. And I it seemed like, like based on like the the yeah. trades that did happen, you know, if you were to offer up like some second round
1: picks or something yeah. like that, you could have added some depth to this team. Right? Yeah. Did you right. have
0: five second round picks lying <laughs> around? No, just- <Well>, I wouldn't <laughs>
1: mind Luke Kennard. Um No, but um, mm. no, I I hear you, and I think that's the frustration. But I do have some clips here just from the Masai presser. I figured, you know, group them into a couple of just big topics that you guys have touched on. We can play them and maybe get some of your reactions to because I thought some of the quotes was interesting. So the first kind of um, topic that Masai addressed, you know, he opened the presser saying that there were no blockbuster deals uh, to be made, which uh, we'll talk about, because there's been some reporting on what was available out there. And here's him explaining uh, about the trade deadline versus uh, making moves in the summer.
3: Um, the way I look at the deadline, um, it's, it's really um, not a great place to make long-term decisions and that's that's how um one of the ways we looked at it um in terms of some of the things we were getting
1: yeah so we've heard from the reporting you know from Zach Lowe was saying that you know the Grizzlies and Pacers uh, both offered three first round picks for OG and OB, and the Raptors wanted you know at least a young player in in return mm-hmm. And, you know, Michael Grange of Sportsnet reported that, you know, Milwaukee engaged in some discussions for Fred and were offering Grayson Allen and and a first-round pick. And the Clippers never did make Terrence Mann available. Um, you know, talks were around Luke Kennard, Brandon Boston Jr. Um, so, Masai saying that wasn't a blockbuster trade out there, you know, there were some
0: offers out there. Like, what do you make of those offers that were on the
1: table? Especially the ones for OG, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, the OG one is more interesting than the Fred ones. The Fred ones are all definitive no's. Like, first off, like, why would you go out of your way to help the Milwaukee Bucks, Mm. who, if you are hoping to be competitive in the future, you will probably have to face the Milwaukee Bucks. Why would you go out of your way to help the Los Angeles Clippers of all teams, especially with uh, an offer of, like, what exactly? Right. I, I'm not going to help the Clippers almost on anything mm. if, if I'm the Raptors in that position based on the history between those two franchises. I am mean, especially not helping them for Brandon Boston Jr. Um, so I think for me, that one made sense to me. Right. And I think that, again, if you are looking into the future and again, they they have this is one of the deadlines. Remember, we talked about two deadlines. Yeah, The other deadline is, is can they sign and trade some of these guys in the offseason? Right. And that's where you think about. When, when the Kyle Lowry situation happened, we were all anticipating that Kyle was going to move on. That time, the Raptors were clear-cut sellers, right? They mm. were trying to get out of there, right? Um, they were not able to move off of Kyle at the trade deadline itself, but they were able to work out a sign and trade. I think what that really requires is, like, a level of trust between both the organization and the player, the trust from the player that you'll get them to the organization that they want to go to and that you won't hold it up over some, like, you don't, you won't haggle too much, right? Mm. And look, the Raptors at that time, when the Kyle Lowry sign and trade happened, it wasn't like a, you know, a blow-your-socks-off kind of deal at that point either. It wasn't a blockbuster. It was Precious Ochua who, at that point, hadn't shown too much as a rookie um, in a very limited role, and then Goran Dragic, who literally didn't want to be here, Mm. right? And, of course, that deal looks better and better now because of the fact that Precious has been able to grow and blossom. But I do think that, yeah, some of those offers there, especially for Fred, I mean, you could probably sign and trade them to those exact same teams and get those exact same players back or or equivalent value to those. Um, So... Especially if you've gotten Jakob here to sort of see what you have. I mean, you won't make another big disruption like that, especially for very little upside. That's my takeaway. But what, what, do you think, uh, what do you think about the fact that they didn't really take the offers for the picks, though, for OG?
2: I think it tells me that they wanted to maintain winning right now as well. Right? Okay. I, I yeah. think based on the reporting, it suggests that they wanted a ready-made contributor to the rotation right now along with picks to restock the cabinet. Mm. And so I think not being able to get that player, they said, you know what? We'd rather just have OG mm. and, you know, assess these 26 games, see what's what. And I think if you think about it, big picture, how they seem to view their path to another title or at least contention, it's slowly tweaking. And, you know, mm. you just go back to the last season when the Warriors were playing the Celtics in the finals, like we specifically did an episode where we went through the players and we like, hey, continuity is the key, mm-hmm, right? Yep. And specifically in the case of the Celtics, right? How long did they stay committed and just tweak? And, you know, think about the point guards that came through, whether it be Terry Rozier, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie, right? And mm-hmm. they were just... Kemba. S- Kemba, mm-hmm. like slowly just trying to figure it out, right? It's easy to look at the Celtics now and say, oh, wow, mm-hmm. this is amazing. But it took time to get there, right? Even with someone like Jalen Brown, who at a certain point, it's like, why didn't you use him in a trade for PG, for Kawhi, for mm-hmm. Anthony Davis? And now they're here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think Masai, when he emphasized patience, I think it's clear that he believes in this group and he feels that it's more about making minor tweaks. Some of the selfishness that he talked about. It's more about understanding that that they are mostly a young, maybe a bit immature group that will get through it with time and understand these things better. And so, it's some of it is a case of just letting them grow. Yeah, I mean, again, like
0: none of those trade offers that we've heard, at least in the twenty-four hours. Um, since the trade deadline here sound all that appealing, I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, damn, we could have gotten him. Right. You know, like none of those were, to, for me at least, I haven't heard any names that really stand out for me. I mean, the picks even in those cases, right, I think that, you know, the three from Indiana would have been interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, But at the same time, like, it was like one of those picks would have been Indiana's picks. And the other two were going to be like a Cleveland pick and I think a Boston pick. Like mm-hmm. clearly those are teams that are going to be, very firmly in the playoff picture starting as soon as like next season and beyond, especially considering the ages of the cores that they have in Boston and in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So those are picks that are going to be in the, I would say like low twenties at best, but probably mid twenties. So like, I get it. Like if if the Raptors weren't willing essentially to move OG at the draft, uh, this, this past year for the seventh pick, why would you trade them for the twenty sixth and then like the 27th pick in addition to like a Pacers pick? And the Pacers are decent, in the, in the future you don't know what the protections are going to be but probably not going to be in the lottery either so you know three picks sounds good but of course you have to really break down like which of those picks are you know
2: yeah
1: yeah and i think once you pick up you know Jakob, and you kind of signal that you know you do st- still want to give some time to this core and maybe look at winning this year and next year It'd be important to get a package back if you're trading out an og that includes players as well right talking about adding to the depth and things that they they need on the team um so Masai also talked about talked a little bit about just how his team how the team kind of stacks up in the east and growth not being linear here's what he had to say
3: I think um growth is not linear so we've had like really like a a a bumpy road and that's what you expect sometimes with a young team when we have a young team and I think players have made progress individually but as a team um it it's been it's been up and down and we had a really rough stretch but uh, i believe in these guys we believe in them and we think growth sometimes takes a while i think as a level of impatience now um with how we think about things and do things and um, hopefully we can have a little bit of patience, but everything that we could have done, um, today, maybe we can do it ourselves.
1: Yeah. You know, V like, I know you were there listening to the presser and uh, later on, Masai also said that, you know, success, they might've had too much success, um, like last season, like referring to the 48 win season. Just what do you make of, 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 of him, you know, obviously taking that kind of bigger, picture view on oh the team took a step back this season but like growth is not linear and that we have to be patient with this
2: yeah i think it's just the reality of the situation mm-hmm. right and sometimes i do wonder if you would have had this season last year i don't think anyone bats an eye right i think then you kind of very mm-hmm. easily make excuses of like oh this is a rebuild year you, you know you're just getting acclimated to everyone like Scotty's is being worked in that all of that and, and you're fine with it, right? It's because of that final stretch last season, the success that you saw, that it's like, okay, what's gone wrong this season? And I think he's, al- he's already touched on why some of that has been the case. And it's about working through that. And, you know, as far as admitting to some of the mistakes, uh, him talking about, you know, maybe I could have helped this team sooner. Maybe I mm. could have brought in a big sooner. I think it's healthy that he's admitted that, right? Like, going back to the point that you made earlier, um, if he doesn't make that move and they stay stubborn about how they want to play, that would be even more discouraging, right? Mm. And so I think they've recognized that this is something that they need to address. They Masai also, uh, you know, when friend of the show, Oren, asked the question about three-point shooting. He accepted that, hey, you have to be a top-tier three-point shooting team as well. And it's like... Whether that's addressed with development or externally, that's something that they need to do. So we have answers to these things in terms of maybe how the vision has tweaked. And so uh, I think moving forward, they'll take the lessons and be better because of it.
0: It is funny to me when he was like, maybe they had too much success. Too soon. I'm like, too much success? 48 wins is too much success? You can't handle 48 wins? For, for what the expectations were last season. I don't care, man. 48 wins can't get to your head for, no, for I think, no i think i, I think with, for I what the well expectations
2: were last season i i think he's talking be, about yeah. no, and i don't i don't even think it's in terms of you know uh thinking that they were just not needing anything right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I i think it's them just thinking that they had enough internally right to improve on certain things and then go to another level no i agree they, with you. they weren't expecting to step back in some of the areas that they have taken a step back in. For example, the defense. That yeah. is not something anyone expected to drop off.
0: No, no, no. And and exactly. And this is why the disappointment is where it is at the point of the season is because of the fact that not just are they failing last year's pace, but we were expected to take a step forward from last year's pace. My thing is whole like maybe it's the young guys, maybe it's not the young guys, who knows. But the point is just like the 48 wins is like just nothing to be gassed up about. It mm-hmm. really isn't. Like the three of us all sitting here because of immigrant parenting – and uh, yeah. if we came home bragging what about they, this B that we caught on the test, man, oh my goodness! <laughs> and I'm sure Masai the same way, man. He operates in that same fashion. <laughs> That's why I was a disappointed in dad vibe. <laughs> because Mas- Masai, the press conference, was like, yeah, I suppose. I mean, we got we got our bucks kick in the playoffs, and I was like, yeah, exactly, Masai. Like, there was nothing like specifically that people should be like, uh, no, nah, man. Even when he dropped the hyped
1: about. You even know? when he dropped the usual, like, you know, it's all about winning. Sports is all about. Nah, winning. it wasn't it's hitting, good. man. Wasn't hitting yesterday. Didn't hit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I think if you were to break it down individually, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Say, if you're Scotty Barnes and you've won Rookie of the Year, right?
0: Mm-hmm. What are your expectations coming into year two? Well, he was talking about all defense. He was talking about uh, All-Star. Yeah. I remember. And
2: you look yeah. at Pascal Siakam having made All-NBA. Top five. Talking about being in top five. Yeah. Fred Van Fleet coming off an All-Star season, mm-hmm. right? And so... Talking about the contract we got taken care of.
0: Yeah. Running down 114.
2: Right. OG beginning of the season, we're talking about... Potentially defensive player of the year. Well, he was also talking about how he put dots in his name.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was a very different time, at the beginning of the year. And so I think maybe individually, when you're thinking you will pursue these things, you're not, you, you're maybe just taking that winning for mm-hmm. granted, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, I can just keep getting better. Yeah. And the team wins will just keep coming along. And it's all got to happen within the context of the team. Right. And again, that whole being greater than some of its parts. And that
0: just hasn't happened. Where was the space for the team to get better, though? Like, you know, the, the, when we're talking about like this extension of like the expectations for each individual player and sort of like what they expected to do this coming season, it was the exact same roster plus Otto Porter who wasn't even here. So the, literally the exact same roster. Yep. Why would you have expected specifically different results from all the guys? And I think that, you know, it's something where, you know, in, you know Nick wrote about in his, uh, in his biography or whatever the author wrote about for Nick, um, where, you know, Nick explained how his approach towards the coaching is always so much about, like, how can we add value to your career, right? And so, you know, it's about how you sort of can in- meet your individual goals and how that can lead to the team goals. Now, and I understand that as a general principle, but at some, I think at certain points, is that not misapplied? When everyone is then trying to meet those goals at the same time and they clash because it's a team game. Yeah, I think it's just because of the
2: way it happened.
3: Okay. I I think
2: it's different if the Raptors would have, you know, gone... Had the first half of the season they had last year in the second half of the season, right? Okay, yeah. And say, for example... All of the Vision 6-9 stuff and the way Pascal and Scotty came together to close out the season. Mm -hmm. If they had come out of the gates like that, right? And it's like, you've caught all these teams off guard. And then in the second half of the season, all these teams have caught on to what you're doing. And you really drop off. Then you look at it and say, wow, like, that completely fell off. We need to address this right away. It's not working, right? But I think because you had so much of the ugliness in the first half of the season and then you turned it around, you're saying, okay, how does this play out over 82 games next season, right? Or yeah, how yeah. do you go into that trade deadline? And, you know, if you're on that same pace, now you d- you're definitively looked at as buyers and looking to even build further on that, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that maybe affected the team. And, and it's, you know, it, it now you're getting that reality check. That maybe, you know, if things would have played out differently last season, you would you would have seen earlier.
1: Yeah, I just think regardless of they, if they were good last year or not, like the 48 wins, like these decisions were coming for them anyways, though. Yeah. So like yeah, when I you're talking you. about patience, like I get it. And I know Masai was even kind of joking about it yesterday, saying that like, oh, like a lot of you guys don't like that we're, you know, probably more patient than you want us to be. But the situation is a situation, right? Like, you have these free agents that are going, um, going to be available in the summer that are up for new contracts. And, you know, you've got the OG situation. You've got Pascal um, under contract past next season. Like, patience is cool, but, like, there's just a specific window to figure out what to do with this team, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess the bigger question, too, is, like, I think the biggest question really is, like, oh, like, when is Scotty projected to actually become, like, kind of that guy? like the guy on on a team, right? Because you you look at, like, that's the guy that you drafted. Like, this is the guy that you say has the highest ceiling on this team. And you you ask different team-building questions um, to a 21-year-old Scotty versus a Scotty that's ready to be a number one guy, right? Okay. You think about, like, adding even a Jakob. Like, you know, I don't think anything has to be particularly just being on, like, Pascal's timeline or Scotty's timeline, but that's more of a Pascal timeline move that's more of a win now move right so i don't know
0: i just think I mean, the patients say scotty frown went to play center now
1: yeah i just think which the is, pa- is good, yeah. i think I just think the patients think like you see the way the nba moves like you have to you have to assemble these rosters and make these decisions like within these two three year windows like you're not really afforded that time sure.
0: yeah patience. to figure
1: these things out but that's i get true. it that's i get true. it though like they've moved those decisions to the summer but um yeah there was Other interesting
0: things, but we we can we can touch on a few other things after the break. Yeah, sure. Okay. Let's go to a break. I've been your host, Willou. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Brett Rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with BetRiver's online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19+. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connext Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge.
3: Discussing the biggest stories that matter
1: to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: back to the raptor show on the sports radio network i'm your host wim Lou. continue to be joined by vivek jacob of raptors.com and my trusty co-host alex wong um you know are we gonna get the breaking news that pascal made all-star or are we gonna finish off the press conference takeaways what are we gonna do alex you're yeah, a point so, guard here you, you decide
1: sorry about that
0: Pascal. you're the most unselfish player on the team by the way i had to make it very clear
1: sorry about that pascal i uh, didn't lead up top with that um pascal siakam Uh, Named by Commissioner Adam Silver, Mm. uh, personally, as a replacement at All-Star Weekend. Mm. Um, Saw the merch that's come out about the Salt Lake City, Utah. I need that. All-Star Weekend. I need Uh, that. Somebody's getting fired for that. Um, (laughs) Why? That's just the city code (laughs) and the state code, man. Come on. But yeah, no, happy for Pascal. You know, I I know we heard him talk about it after he didn't uh, make the team, and you know, he was very diplomatic about it, but... You know he's he's deserving. Oh, nah, he this, doesn't want to go to All Star, yeah, in this nightmare
0: on. season, he's been deserving of you know the All Star
1: yeah selection.
0: Um, yeah, I mean one more for his All Star. I mean he's that's only his second All Star game. Yeah, because he didn't think about it. right. Yeah, yeah, he didn't make it last year. Last year the game was in uh, Cleveland. So when the, Adam Silver named the replacements, he's like, well Jared Allen, you're already here. You might as well go. Mm. Right. Um. This time around, obviously uh, with with a couple more injuries, unfortunately Jalen Brown like broke his face or something. Yes. So you know there was another spot in the forwards that opened up, and and yeah, for Pascal, like he clearly played an all star level. It's just the Raptors didn't win it at any sort of respectable level. So um, he's in the game. I think we were all pretty confident that he played at that level, and mm-hmm. he's deserving of it. And it's at the end of the day, it's like for him, it's a good opportunity to just continue to build his brand because that's what All Star Weekend is. It's more of a marketing ploy than anything else. Mm. Um, and then I think for the uh, end of the career, in terms of like even contract negotiations, like these things all factor in. So it, it's it's undeniably a positive for him. No, I, I think the
2: end of career stuff is significant, right? Like okay, yeah. when you look back at it, you know, when someone says you you were a five time All Star, you were eight time All Star, mm-hmm. whatever is that carries weight. Yeah, all NBA right. teams, yeah, All Star championships, he's got all of that. Well,
1: he's correct. Exactly. He was, he was yeah.
0: before this, he was a rare player who had more All NBA appearances than All Stars, <laughs> two to one. <laughs> So, I mean, he might yeah. keep
2: that going if he get, if he makes all NBA uh,
0: in the end for this season
2: as well. The Raptors and, better win out this season. Yeah, and I think he's <laughs> been. What did he get? win out
1: fifty-two and thirty. All right, <laughs> that over under bet, John. Don't cash out yet. <laughs> I believe you cash out your fifty dollars bet for three dollars, but still a chance. Um. Anyways, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think we all agree he's been playing at that level yeah. and yeah. he deserves to no, be. No, I'm thrilled for him. In the game, I'm I'm thrilled for him.
1: I think. It's it's been a it's been a miserable season. Like I don't actually don't know how to sugarcoat it. Um, you think
0: he's thrilled to go to Utah rather than um, Turks and Caicos for a week? Yeah, he'll be fine.
1: Maybe he can sneak in. When do they they play? Like on the Wednesday or oh, Thursday? I sure can sneak in a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, he can sneak in a little. He'll go bit. Go to California yeah. or something at the minimum. Yeah, yeah. get a bit of time. You know, he'll figure it out. Um, couple more Maasai things. Um, you know, from the presser yesterday too. Um, wanted to play you guys this clip of, of him talking about just um, you know the rest of this season.
3: Yeah, these guys know, I've talked to all of them, I've talked to all of them individually, I've talked to coach, Yeah, it's, yeah, like it's a no-nonsense approach now, like we have to go into now yeah, and see um, what level we can get to, because we see these guys individually, there's yeah, as a, a, as a reason why everybody is calling us or everybody is writing about every single player individually. You know, like, then maybe I need to look at myself and say, okay, what the hell are you doing? You know, like, is this something I'm doing wrong? Um, I know we have to look at fit sometimes, but I think generally if I'm looking at fit with this team, I have to give it till the end of the season to look at that, especially if there's nothing that comes at me that says, hey, you know, like, (laughs) this is something compelling. And you got to do this, you know, like to, to move this thing forward now and for the future of the Toronto Raptors.
1: You know, the, the most interesting thing for me from that, honestly, is like, you know, how many conversations has Messiah Nick had oh, to have man. with the players this season, right? Because, uh, V, I know you were a morning shoot around, and I think Pascal was asked about this too, right? Or asked about a part of this and about like the selfish play, and it didn't seem like he wanted to, to get into this conversation.
3: Just yeah, about he, like. He's, he's,
1: yeah. Pretty much, like, ask Masai. <laughs> you know, well, he, he's the one that I said thought it. I was disingenuous of Pascal, too, being like, you know, you guys could just ask him. It's like, we actually can't because he only speaks once a year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, he's spoken on it. And I think the thing, I actually want some of the players and maybe someone like a Fred, I think, will speak on this next time that, that he takes the podium. Because, you know, Masai talking about the selfishness and talking about having these conversations. Oh, no, he,
0: he brought it forward intentionally. Yes.
1: I think it opens up yeah. to, to have oh. these conversations now to hear what the players have to say about it.
0: Right.
2: Sure, no question. Yeah. And I think uh, on some level, Nick Nurse uh, can address it to some point as well, yeah. right? Like, you you think about the beginning of that championship season. What was one of the big things that came out of that? It was, uh, you know, Nick Nurse in his office having oh, this elephant. I lighting
1: up like a Christmas tree? No. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, oh.
2: Having an elephant in the room and him having <laughs> this approach of, hey, That Nothing goes... (laughs) Zoom in on Will's facial expression. (laughs) Nothing goes unspoken. We we can air it all out here and we can have real conversations (laughs) about it. And so how much has that gone away this season? Mm -hmm. Are you still holding true to that? You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's something uh, that is worth touching upon. And, you know, maybe it's something that is much easier uh, to do when you have a veteran group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of those things play into... The comments that we heard the play that we've seen mm-hmm. and maybe now the fact that these players have nowhere to hide mm. as you said uh Masai has kind of put the onus on the players now mm-hmm. where you could say okay you know none of the weaknesses uh have been addressed to this point mm. uh and you know you can still maybe argue okay the three-point shooting ha- hasn't really been addressed the guard depth hasn't really been addressed but you do have a big man now and so with Nick Nurse how much does that cha- change the flexibility of the defense and mm. y- you know having different options there offensively what's going to change and so being able to ask these questions we'll see what the answers are after these 26 games and then and then like Masai said if there's a decision to be made uh for the long term the offseason is when you make it yeah
1: the, the, i think the biggest thing the mo- the most skepticism I have about, like, him betting on this and, like, seeing if they can turn it around and, like, have this run in 20 seconds, just, uh, like, you can talk about the on-court stuff. You can talk about what Jakob brings to the table and, you know, what the kind of trickle-down effect is for the rest of the roster, but it just seems like, fundamentally, this team just hasn't been together. Yeah, And, like, I don't know if adding Jakob and kind of the trade deadline passing by is enough for those things to turn around. It's just that like every time you hear about these meetings and things like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know, like it just seems like but, there's more.
0: What can you really say though? Like at the end of the day, no, like, it, it doesn't feel like a talent issue specifically. Yeah. Uh, it felt more like, you know, just how do you get the best out of the players? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where they have to continue to try to find ways to sort of workshop that, whether that's beside no, talking, talking to them or whoever talking to them. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, I don't know. Do you think it's, I don't, we don't have that much time for this, but sure. do you think it's a little bit humbling for some of the players to be hearing about like, oh, that's all they offered for me? Like if you're Fred VanVleet and you're you you made all-star last year, yeah. um you know you've you've turned it around the last like 2 months here, you're averaging numbers yeah. exactly the same as last year. You turned down 114 million. You, you turned down 114 million. You've just won uh you won a championship in your career and all yeah. that other stuff. Um and you hear your name linked to Brandon Boston mm-hmm. and Luke Kennard, like that's got to be a little humbling, right? Yeah, especially if you see the other packages. I mean, I'm sure like being players. expiring is is part of it, but I mean at the same time, I don't know. Is, is that not a little humbling? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Same thing for OG as well, I, by the way. Yeah, and also, I think the, the if other, teams wanted them. They, they could have had them. They just straight up didn't offer anything that was, like, you know, as Masai would say, not a blockbuster. No, Ma- Masai yeah. made clear
2: well, what his price was. And even when you look at the Clippers situation, the reporting is that uh, they wanted, you know, Terrence Mann and a pick. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the fact that uh, a team wasn't willing to do that you know obviously you put that on that front office yeah. and you, if you're Fred you also look at look at that and say wow like, yeah I mean part of that I think like you go go said ahead. is
1: because of his contract spine but come on yeah man.
2: like Grayson Allen and a first
0: like, yeah, yeah you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah, yeah. these don't even seem like like there's like serious offers if you're looking to acquire All right but I mean if that's also the case then maybe the market for the players in the offseason when you're talking about for agency isn't that high maybe it won't be as expensive as you thought
1: no, that's fair. I mean, like, we, for example, yeah.
0: like there's like okay, we know Orlando could potentially be interested, right? Yeah. Why would Orlando pay 130 million if the offers out there are going to be Brandon Boston and and, and whatever? Right, right. Yeah. Sorry, so I sorry so Brandon Boston Jr. Your <laughs> yeah, I I way. I didn't necessarily uh, mean to, to make this a slander pod, but you know what I
1: mean? Like, no, no, I think that's fair. But it only takes one or two teams, right? Yeah. So like if Orlando's so Orlando Orlando would mix, be in the mix, uh I mean, Houston Phoenix, potentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix's situation and has then, changed. Yeah. You know, f- Fred for him, his brand is all about you know, winning besides, obviously, betting on himself. Um, he is viewed as, like, this winning player that that's what, what really matters to him. So he'd have like to evaluate. he was evaluate. viewed as Grayson
0: Allen in a first. What's that? He was, he was viewed as Grayson Allen in a first.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I just mean in terms of free agency and the two teams being able to offer money, or Orlando and Houston, mm. do you think you have a better chance of doing that with them fair. than, say, the
0: Raptors? By the way, right. Orlando, by the way, is, I think, 18 and 13 in the last, like, 30-odd games. Yeah, so they're playing a lot better after their no, 5 point sure. start. They, they've got a very bright future with, yeah, you know, I agree. Boncaro
2: and Wagner. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the offers look like mm-hmm. in the off season. And then looking at OG as well, I think the other conversation beyond just the offers is if you are unhappy about your role, the teams that are trying to get you are wanting you to play the exact same role.
1: This is what I've been saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the other thing that I've been saying is just that, the role that you're in right now can get you the money if the money is what you want. Like, obviously, gotta I do you got to be winning, too, though. Yes, like, you got to yeah. be winning, but, like, you know, sometimes guys just want to change the scenery and go, go to a better team, things like that. But, like, and obviously, like, I think selfishly, you know, guys think that they can do more, yep. um, you know, at certain points in their career. But if it's about earning potential and stuff, like, you look at the demand for OG, right? Like, when he goes to free agency, like, after next season, like, he'll be a max contract player or near.
0: Well, that's like the one where it's, like, half the league still offered. Right. Significant. Right. yeah. So. And, there, and there's other examples
2: of guys like him kind of getting reality checks, right? Like yes. you, you think about Jeremy Grant playing with the Denver Nuggets and having yeah. a perfect situation there when you think about his skill set and then mm-hmm. wanting to move on and, you know, be like a number one option. And then he saw what that was like in Detroit. And, and now he's kind of back in a similar role with, with Portland, mm. right? Yeah. And then you look at Aaron Gordon, he probably had the reverse where it was like mm-hmm. he had... Uh, a spotlight on him in Orlando, and now he's w- with Denver in a perfect situation in a perfect role. Yep, and now all of a sudden he's in an All Star conversation.
1: Fair enough, right? Yeah, this is like a, this is like a bigger version of like you know Chris Chris Boucher always talking about last year having been the number one option in that Cleveland game. <laughs> and then just realizing, right? Yeah. Like what this what is. our hard. role is.
0: Maybe we just gotta make you these guys number one options for like one or two games a year just to you know, just to show them what's up. But OG's oh,
2: gotten a taste of some of that too. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. And he's got opportunities. And this is the other point I've made before on this show with OG, is the reality is this. When you join the team, they thought so highly of you that they immediately put Norman Powell to the bench and started you, mm-hmm. right? You were a starter in your rookie year. Mm-hmm. There was a time when you were the starter and Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam were coming off the bench. Right. And they ascended and created these roles for themselves. That's and true. so if you were really that guy, I think we would have seen more on the offensive side of the ball than we have to this
1: Yeah, point. no, I think, I think that's fair. And now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Toronto Raptors begin their playoff push tonight at home against the Utah Jazz. Oh, man, they pushing P. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Trying my best to you know, push get excited play. for these final 26 games at home against the Utah Jazz. Raptors are minus seven and a half point favorites. OG Ananobi is out. Jakob Pertl is questionable because the trade is pending. Man, play the game. Jordan Clarkson is questionable on Utah side. Seven and a half favorites. Yeah, uh, Raptors recently just lost to Utah. Who've made some changes to their roster. Who do right. you like? Will
0: I, I think Mike Conley first off played a really really good game in that game where the Raptors were defeated by Utah in Utah. Um, and so I think that obviously him not being there and, and him moving on um, is is a big factor in this matchup. Obviously uh, Utah surprisingly still has a decent depth uh, amount of depth. I mean you're looking mm. at depth chart right here is not not bad. Um, I I don't I wouldn't necessarily get the Raptors seven and a half points, but I do feel like the Raptors, especially with the increased focus on sort of where they are playing at home now instead of playing in de, uh, Utah, which definitely has a very distinct home court advantage. Mm. And also, if they don't miss, I don't know, ten layups in a row in the first mm. quarter this time, I think the Raptors could do it. But I don't know if I've given this many points. That's all.
1: Okay, so cautiously, um, so you're not picking the Raptors. No, I'm I'm picking. I guess the the, jazz. <laughs> the Raptors to win, but the Jazz to cover. Yes, is what you're saying. Yeah,
0: can you bet that? Uh yeah, we can consult with Jr. Tonight okay, when he right. puts in his part. Oh line. no, I, I meant like physically. Can you guys or like just like practically? I don't bet. <laughs> yeah, you don't bet.
1: Give me your credit, please. Lost it all to the Bengals. Um, yeah, I'll go with the Raptors. You know, Raptors post trade right. deadline. Plus, you know, I'm gonna the Yakapardo effect. Yeah, I got them going 20 and six to wrap up the season. You know, mm. for a little neat little 46 and 36.
0: I wouldn't hate yeah. that. I wouldn't hate that at all. I'm trying to get myself excited for these last 26 games. Let's let's get let's get started tonight. All right. Well, that was Between the Lines brought to you by Brett Rivers. It's a whole new game. And that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willow, and You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Vivek Jacob, our producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer Derek Brandell and Jennifer Rolnick for helping in the YouTube stream. And we'll be back to talk Raptors basketball and Yaka Pertl next week. Stay tuned.